What makes gifts, talents meaningful is not how many you have. What makes them meaningful is faithfulness. It's what you do with what you have that makes the difference. So this parable, in its context, it is about faithfulness. Welcome to Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Crawford Lawrence. Well, the parable Crawford mentioned was Jesus teaching in Matthew chapter 25 about the large sum of money given to servants to invest. Some invested wisely, others foolishly. As you heard Crawford say, it's easy to think this parable is about the use of money, but in reality, it's about faithfulness. And we'll see why in a few moments. If you're new to our program, thanks for joining us, and it's great to have you part of our study. Our speaker has been in Christian ministry for over 50 years. He's been a pastor, missionary, conference speaker, seminary professor, and author. His books include Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow, Leadership as an Identity, and Unshaken. The messages we feature on Living a Legacy come from Crawford's 15 years as pastor of Fellowship Bible Church of Roswell, Georgia. Today, Crawford heads the Christian Leadership Mentoring Ministry known as Beyond Our Generation. Well, let's jump right into our study. Again, we're in Matthew chapter 25. Here's Crawford Loritz with the first part of his message, The Parable of the Talents, Faithfulness Until He Comes, on Living a Legacy. This is one of these sections in the Bible where you probably ought to not, you ought to read Matthew chapter 24 and 25 together. Because these thoughts flow together. Matthew chapter 24 is about a specific time period, at least my view is, uh, a specific time period called the Great Tribulation period. And then you slide into chapter 25 in the, the, the parable of the virgins, the ten virgins, wise and foolish. Now we're going to come to the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents is about, is about faithfulness and, and working until he comes. Now, this parable has been preached, and I've preached it this way before. When we've done stewardship series a number of years ago, I, I walked through Matthew chapter 25 and this parable of the talents, and I've preached it this way before, and it's appropriate to preach it this way, where you know, your focus is on, on money and, and, and using your money and a return on the investment. However, technically speaking, the passage, although it's about talents and talents represent money, is not about money. The dominant theme of the parable is faithfulness. And it's in context, when you put it over against this whole context of what Jesus is talking about, Matthew 24, the ten virgins, and then later on the narrative on the judgment, it's about future things and occupying until he comes back. That's what the parable is about. It's not so much about money as it is about faithfulness. And I, I want us to keep that in mind as we go through it. I don't have time today to read through the whole parable, but I, I want to read beginning at verse 14. I am going to walk through the parable as I outline it, but I want to read from verse 14 to verse, to verse 19. For it, referring to the kingdom of heaven, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents 
made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of the house, uh, master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. One of the things I've learned in life over these many, many years, and indulge me here, is I've had, uh, I've met a lot of very gifted people in my life. A lot of extraordinarily gifted people. But one of the things I've learned in my life is that really, Gifts and abilities have a tendency to be overrated. Gifts, talents, and abilities have a tendency to be overrated. I've met very gifted people, frankly, who've not done much or anything with their lives. I've met 60-year-old folks, and if you look at their background, and you look at their abilities, and you look at their talents, and you look at their intellectual capacity, and you look at what they've accomplished, you go, huh? What, what, what makes gifts or what makes abilities effective? I love what Eugene Peterson says. He says, faithfulness is a long obedience in a specific direction. What makes, what makes gifts uh, and talents meaningful is not how many you have. What makes them meaningful is faithfulness. It's what you do with what you have that makes the difference. That's why, ironically, ironically, so many, so many people that we call great, if you look at them, they're not necessarily very gifted. I know that that's counterintuitive, but a lot of the, the very great people, or people who have made huge impact during their moment in history, it wasn't how gifted they were, it was how faithful they were. And we spend so much of our time comparing ourselves to one another, comparing ourselves to other people, measuring how much we have and how gifted we are, and sitting and taking all of these tests to see how we're wired and positioning all of this stuff and, you know, prematurely typecasting ourselves, and we minimize the very thing that will produce the fruit. And that is being faithful. So this parable is not so much about money. In its context, it is about faithfulness. And you know, I'm tipping my hand, you'll notice what he rewards uh, these servants for when he returns and what he rebukes the other for. Again, it's not what we have that makes a difference, it's what we do with what we have. Now, uh, the parable is pretty straightforward. Uh, it's, you know, it's very clear, very understandable. Um, um, the man in the parable here is Jesus. The wealthy man is Jesus. The three, the three servants, they represent us, those who remain until he returns. This is a parable about this age in which we live right now and the fact that Jesus is coming back and we will give an account. That's the flavor of the parable. In fact, that's the flavor of the, the parable of, of, of the ten virgins. Jesus is now shifting the attention from readiness, the ten virgins, now until uh, uh, faithfulness and occupying and serving the king while he's away. One of the things I've learned, I started to come up with a fancier outline of the passage, but uh, I've learned a long time ago, never, never exchange clarity for fanciness. So 
let's deal with what's clear here. Basically, the movement of the passage is very clear. Uh, this man, he went away, he came back, he rebuked and judged. And that's the flow of the, of the story. This man went away, he came back, he rebuked and he judged. First of all, he went away. That's verses 14 through, through 18. When he went away, though, uh, he, he had entrusted these men with something huge when he went away. Verse 14 says, For it, uh, it, the kingdom of heaven, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Now, here's the point. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability, and then he went away. Uh, don't skip over that. Now, the issue, the, the point is, well, what in the world is a talent? A talent is an incredible sum of money. Uh, we don't exactly know how much it was, but a talent weighed somewhere between 58 and 80 pounds. Uh, to put it another way, one talent was 20 years wages. 20 years. So he left these dudes with a lot of Jane. A lot of money. Now, notice the line, though. He gave it to them discriminately. It says, he left the money to his servants according to their ability. He understood that they had different capacities, that all of us are different. And I just want to state the obvious. Not all of us have the same ability or capacity, and that's not a judgment statement. We're all different. We don't need to be the same. Some of us have more capacity than others. Doesn't mean that God loves us more. It just means for his sovereign purposes in each one of our lives, he's designed us to be different. This is the reason why you've got to be careful of this old demon of comparison. At a certain point in your life, you've got to stop envying and wanting the capacity of somebody else. If you spend all your time envying and, and sort of like trying to get like somebody else, you're going to ignore what God has given you to leverage. And the point of the parable is not how much you have, it's, it's dealing wisely with what you have. It's leveraging what's inside of you. Our desires don't always match our capacity. And I can get sidetracked here, but here's one of the things. In recent years, I have been such a strong proponent of self-awareness because I meet people all the time who desire to do something, who want to do something, but they don't have that in their portfolio. God didn't give them that. And try and try and try, they spend all of their time, a large percentage of their time, whether it's their professional career or whatever it might be, because they want to do it, they think they're able to do it. Desire does not mean capacity, and when we're over our heads, others suffer. We lose when we try to handle more, and some of us need to get that. And I think that that is the genius of this parable. The master determines capacity. The master determines what you can handle. And he says, Crawford, that's none of your business. I gave you two gifts, okay? I didn't give you five like I gave this other person. No, I gave you this narrow background for this reason over here. 
I don't want you assuming because I bless you in this that you can go over and be like him or be like her. You don't have that. What you have is this. And I want you to stop looking at it negatively and wasting your time and your energy trying to borrow or lease somebody else's gifts and talents. And I see that a lot. I see it an awful lot. I see it a lot in young leaders who assume because they can preach that God called them to be a senior pastor. And they become a senior pastor and they blow the church up. Or someone who is a gifted administrator and manager assumes that they're capable of being a CEO and they have no vision inside of them or sense of what it takes to do the next thing and what have you, and they create chaos. But they wanted to do it. And so this is a big deal. When he distributes those gifts, he does it for a, person, a reason. He knows how you're wired. He knows what's inside of you. Don't ask God to give you what he hasn't given you. Ask him to show you what he's given you. That is, that's going to save somebody's career. I'm serious. Stop looking for what God hasn't given you. Ask him to show you what he has given you. I have turned down opportunities even while I've been here at the church that to some they say, you're crazy, Crawford. Why'd you turn that down? It's because God didn't wire me for that. God wired me for right here at Fellowship. Well, that'd be a bigger platform. Well, but God didn't make me for that. I could park here for a moment. Let's make a transition. The, 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 the statement then is that then he went away. What I want you to notice in this parable is what it doesn't say. There's no instructions about how to use the money. Now, let's just marinate in this for a second. He gave them a lot of money. A whole lot of money. And he goes, and he doesn't tell them how to use it. In fact, as you read the Bible, God does not give us every scenario or the blueprint specifically on how to use the gifts, talents, and abilities that he's given to us. He tells us what they are. He tells us what the outcome is. He tells us what the impact would be. But God doesn't necessarily tell us, take us by the hand, and tell us how it's all going to work out. Why is that? Well, I think there's a number of reasons. I think he wants us to use our creativity. He wants us to use our minds. He wants us to grow in wisdom. He wants us to pray and depend on him and figure it out. I hope I'm not sounding unspiritual here, but some of us are too mystical for our own good. Some of us are just flat out too mystical for our own good. It's kind of like what God told, uh, <laughs> told Joshua when the people had sinned and he was praying and praying and praying, or Moses, the same deal. Moses is praying at the Red Sea. God says, stop praying. That's what he told him. Read Exodus 14. Just stop praying. What did I give you? What did I put in your hand? We'll use it. Please don't hear me as saying stop praying, okay? <laughs> but, but, the, but the point that I'm trying to make here, and I think that the, that the master is making here is that look, 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 look. Use your creativity. Think about what I've given to you. Figure this thing out. I've given you my word. I've given you principles and proverbs. I've given you a list of what those gifts are. I've given you the Holy Spirit. 
Work on it. Leverage it. Use it. Grow. Don't get lazy on me. Figure it out. Figure it out. He went away. We have been assigned our ministries and according to the gifts and abilities God has given us. By the way, when I say ministries, I'm not talking about full-time ministry or the church staff. All of us have ministries that God has called us to. And it's our responsibility and privilege to find out what it is and to be faithful. God wants us to use and multiply what has been placed in our hands. He doesn't just want us to use it. He wants us to multiply what's been placed in, placed in our hands. That's what it's really all about. And I, 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 there's just too many Christians who are navel-gazing, who are just satisfied with doing a little bit for Jesus or volunteering for something. It's like, it's like we're tipping God. You know, like, yeah, I'll give God 20%. Seriously? We don't tip him. What he wants us to do is to use what he's given to us. Now, there, there's a bit of an ellipsis in the text. What do you mean by that? Well, 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 in verse 18, it says, But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. I, I want you to notice there's an ellipsis there. There's, a, there's an assumption in the passage here. The master gave the money for the guys to use it, right? He gave it to them for them to use it. What does uh, Mr. Ditch Digger do? Okay, he, he buries it. He, he was given to use. And now hear me, hear me in this, follow me with this. He gave them the money to use, the talents. The talents was to be not only the direction of their lives, but what they would pour their lives into. This would be the theme of everything that they would be about. Using these gifts, talents, and ability, it would be, it would be to consume your life. So these guys were busy doing business with God placed in their hands. But this other guy, it's a lordship issue. What he decides to do is to bury it. And I want to suggest to you that there's more involved here than him just burying it and being lazy. That he was. But there's some selfishness involved here. He didn't want that to be the theme of his life. He said, look, I'm looking at you dudes, and you're reading the scrolls all day, checking on camel commodities and whatever, and you're just kind of like, this is, I, I, who needs to be that busy? Seriously? I got things I want to do with my life. He got enough money. Ain't like I'm stealing from him. It's here. I hit it in the ground. Put it where everybody else put this value. I just, you know, I'll just keep living my life. And so many of us are like that as Christians. We keep dinking around with our lives. How many people could be blessed? We can't make up our minds as who's going to control my future and my destiny. And that's what's feeding this consumer Christianity that's killing us today. Everybody's coming to church. You make me happy. I don't like the program. I don't like how you make that decision. I don't like how this is happening over here. This is not meeting my needs. Now, don't hear me saying, you know, I mean, feedback is the, is the breakfast of champions, and I get it, and we should not be in a fetal position because we get some negative critical feedback. That's fine. I, I welcome that. But what I am trying to say is this. Don't lob grenades at your fellow soldiers. Here it says, get involved in the battle. What do you bring into the table? And that's the reason why Jesus would bust this guy later on. It wasn't how much he made. 
the fact that he wasn't doing anything to make anything. Laziness is a lack of motivation. But you know the damnable thing about laziness? Maybe you hadn't thought about this. Laziness really is a rebellion against authority. Think about that. Now, all of us, including yours truly, my wife wasn't around to remind me of a project that I needed to complete yesterday. She had gone shopping. I would not have done it. Just keeping it real. Amen. <laughs> Fellow struggler with me. Yeah. Ain't nobody called me to play golf yesterday so I could tell my wife I had to minister to have a counseling session <laughs> over by Bunker Chapel. Um, what laziness reflects a disregard for accountability. Laziness reflects a disregard for accountability. And that's what's, what's happening here. Oh, what's that? Listen, seriously, you want me? I, I got other things I want to do. This is my life, okay? Don't tell me how to use this. I, seriously, I don't even know when you're coming back, man. He hid his money because he felt like he wasn't accountable. Now, the second thing is he went away. Okay, oops, he came back. He came back. Verse 19 tells us the day of reckoning shows up. <laughs> now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Uh-oh, here we have it. Well, verses 21 and 23, to summarize that, the two men who put their money to work each received the same commendation. They did, each one. Well done, good and faithful servants. Notice, notice, he didn't commend them on the amount that they made. That was not the point. The commendation was not based upon the amount that they made. It wasn't based, on, it wasn't based upon who recognized who. It was, it was the fact that they were faithful with what was given to them. And he commended them. You know, the, he commended them to do with the two. He said, yeah, that you, you, you operated within your capacity, and you, you, gave a, you gave 100% within your capacity, and look at what happened. Good for you, man. He commends them. And by the way, faithfulness is like compounded interest. And I have lived long enough to see this. That statement I made a few moments ago in the introduction, that, that is not just some little intellectual uh, quotable or tweetable statement that I made. Is, when I said, when I said that, that, that gifts, talents, and abilities are overrated and faithfulness is underrated, no, that comes from life experience. Faithfulness is like compounded interest. You give me somebody on my team who has minimum gifts, but is faithful, I will take them any day over mega gifted people who give me 70%. Crawford Loritz, our speaker here on Living a Legacy. Now, maybe you heard some things there you haven't heard before, such as a talent being a great sum of money, or that the servant who buried his money was not doing it out of ignorance, but out of laziness and stubbornness. Interesting things there, and we hope you'll return next week to learn more from the parable of the talents from Matthew chapter 25. If you joined us late in the broadcast today, you can hear the complete message on our website, livingalegacy.org. We also offer all of Crawford's messages as free downloads. Look for the MP3 link on our website, livingalegacy.org. We are always encouraged by your emails, so take a few moments to write to us at legacyatmoody.edu, legacyatmoody.edu. Thanks for joining us today. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. 
This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.